Hey everyone, and welcome to Around the Farm, the podcast about all things ag. I'm your host, Clint Chaffer, and today we have a really special episode. What better way to kick off 2023 than to look back at some of the great moments of 2022? And as we all know, you can't plan for the future unless you understand where you came from. So let's go ahead and look back at some of the most memorable moments, whether they were just great information or just really good times. Let's get into it. Enjoy. First up, I want to look back at my conversation with Dr. Diana Bagnell of the Soil Health Institute and our conversation around farming for soil types. On that, it's almost the thought of farming farming for the soil type itself. I mean, that it, it, I would assume that, that it has a, a maximum productivity level uh, that, that each soil type would have. Uh, and no matter what you do, I would assume uh, it's going to max out at some point. And, and it may be different than the, than the next soil type. That's absolutely right. And I think a lot of SHI's work um, has, has been in trying to first understand, because there's, there's over 30 different ways to measure soil health. And in 2019, we did some work sampling 124 different long-term research sites across the continent. And our goal was to try and really understand which of all these measurements kind of help us understand what, how the soil is responding to management so that we can maybe use a smaller suite and we understand how to use just a few that can tell us where we all are on our soil health journey. And so that work has been really foundational to something we're trying now which is to, to locally establish reasonable um, thresholds. You mentioned maximums or targets so that we know how good a particular soil can get. We have the right expectations. Uh, someplace this works in a lot, you know, we get a lot of questions about folks interested in soil carbon. Well, how much carbon can I get and how fast can I get it? And those can be soil types questions. They include geography and, and climate. And so there's just not one size fits all kind of a prescription that we can give to everybody all at once. We first discussed the financial benefits of farming for soil types, and she left us with some great parting words along the way as well. As far as you know, there's a lot of financial aspect that's, that's tied into this as well when a farmer's making, you know, different decisions and, and changing practices and things of that nature. Uh, what are some of the financial, you know, pieces that, that you would lay out to a farmer of saying, hey, this is why soil health makes sense or this is why focusing on soil health makes sense? Yes, absolutely. Um, soil health is so holistic. And I think encouraging the, you know, to think about that economics piece early on is really useful. So some of the work we've done in this area has been um, just last year, we wrapped up an analysis of a hundred different farms. Um, and we interviewed those hundred farmers across nine Midwestern states and they were in corn and soy rotations. And so what we were doing was having them sit down with one of our agricultural economists and answer questions about what they do now in their soil health management systems and what they used to do. And then we were able to, to compare the budgets of how, what costs they incurred. For example, they might be paying for cover crop feed. That's an expense. But they might have reductions in costs too, like reduced labor or reduced time in the field. And I've got a few notes here. From those 100 farmers, 97 of them said that their crops were more resilient to extreme weather. Um, 85 said that their net farm income increased. And so for corn rotations, um, they increased uh, to buy about $52 an acre on average. So that's an average. Some folks had more than that and some less. 
But about half of that value, about 24 of those $52, came from reduced expenses. So when we think about the ability to, for example, stop tilling so much to align with that principle of reducing disturbance in our soil, as soon as we adopt that practice, we immediately gain the benefit of we're not paying for those that fuel cost anymore. And so improving that net farm income in reducing costs, as well as in some cases increasing yield, is one of the things we think is really encouraging that as we do more of these that farmers can see in their region hey, I could be saving some money going to soil health. I, I can see why you went into uh, soil health. I mean, this is just fascinating having this conversation, all the different dynamics, right, of things that can really impact the, the health of the soil. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about it on, on cover crops, but this can sound uh, fairly intimidating to a farmer, right? Uh, what would your advice be to, to somebody that, that wanted to start maybe increasing the, the health of their soils uh, without maybe going clear into the deep end, right? What, what, what's, the, what, what's kind of your best advice to, to get started? Yeah, well, I, we've mentioned today, you know, starting small in terms of the acreage that you're looking at. I think it's always important. Um, not taking yourself, you know, too far out of your depth and just taking some, some ground and saying, well, what happens when I start? to reduce my tillage, what happens when I start to add some cover crops. And I think that, you know, maybe having a, a, a small enough investment there that you can kind of play with it and say, hey, I, I looked at reducing my tillage for three years, and man, I, I did not see what I wanted to. What is the piece that I'm missing? And, to you know, keying in as quickly as possible to other folks in your area who've made it a success. So I think that, that networking is really important. Starting small is really important. And then being willing to kind of tweak things and say, you know what, that didn't work so well, but this is a big system. It'd kind of be like saying, well, gosh, you know, I tried tried jogging and I hated it, so I can't exercise. Or, you know, I tried this diet and it didn't work, so I guess I'll just eat awfully. It's like, no, then we can get creative here about what really works for me and, and what's going to make sense in my situation. Next, I spoke with Jerry Sengens, the star of the award-winning digital docu-series, A Farmer's Journey. And I asked him what his best piece of advice would be for a novice farmer going into the planting season. Take a look. Well, you know, speaking of education, uh, it's always great to get advice from, uh, from you know, folks that have uh, been farming and, and do a good job. And uh, w- one thing I'd ask you here, Jerry, is, is if you think of somebody who might be going into their, their first season of planting, right? They, they're, they're jumping into farming for the, for the first time this year. What would be your, your one piece of advice as they roll into this planting season uh, that, uh, that, that, that you could offer up? I would say just make sure you get your fertility straight first. It all starts there, in my opinion. Um, if your fertility is off, it's going to be hard to make that seed do what it's supposed to and get the best results out of it. So, you know, get them soil tests, figure out what's going on in the soil and, you know, learn from it and keep on going on that. And then after that, then I would say uh, right seed placement and right seed depth and right seed uh, uh, population is is really key after that. And keep on trying, trying different things to see what works and what doesn't. Uh, I think that uh, that is that is fantastic advice there, Jerry. I think, uh, you know, you, any, anytime you can start with that, that you know, the, the best foundation, right? Everything builds absolutely. off of that. Uh, I think, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the soil health is is absolutely wonderful there, so... And it's the it's the easiest thing to forget about. I mean, I just this blanket throwing something out there. I, you know, 
like we did for years isn't the answer. When I spoke with Aaron Holbert from Heart of the Midwest and at Aaron Holbert at Instagram about input cost and assessments and how that impacted their 2022 planning, we also looked at how that impacted 23 as well. Talking about just on the on the replant side, it, how was you know when when we look at uh, this year, you know, especially just going into this season, kind of maybe planning out uh, the the twenty two season. Um, how did you and your you know you and the farm you know kind of look at some of the rising input cost and and make different assessments on that? Did you did that end up changing your plan any as as you started getting into the season? Um, a little bit. For the most part, this year we're sticking um, with what we've done in the past. It's worked for us, um, and you don't want to get five years down the road and end up with your nutrients in the fields depleted because you had to cut back so much for a few years. So, um, the main thing that we changed was we run in furrow uh, fertilizer in the corn planter. So instead of running ten thirty four O, we switched to a cheaper option this year. So that was the main thing. Um, but so far. This year, anyway, um, we've pretty much kept things the same, but, you know, of course, the same rate of nitrogen down on all the corn acres before we planted. Um, but I do foresee things next year. Um, a lot of farmers are going to have to be making big changes um, because all those costs are going to just skyrocket again, especially seed. Plus, you can't talk to Aaron Holber without mentioning those furry little trash pandas. Well, I would assume what also helps is when you get pictures of these adorable little raccoons that uh, that you got as well. I I, I I gotta know. I mean, where 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 did you get these at? Uh, yes, those definitely help. I think half of my YouTube subscribers came for the raccoons. Um, it started out. I don't even remember what year it was. Um, I went outside one morning. I was still selling seed and. My dog, at that point, I thought she'd found a kitten. Um, nope, it turns out that she stole a baby raccoon from the nest, um, just wanted it to be her buddy and was trying to take care of it. And I was like, oh man, I know they're a nuisance, but I feel so guilty that my dog just stole this raccoon. Like, even if I could find the nest, the mom's not going to take it back. So I threw the raccoon in a box. The eye, his eyes were still closed and I stopped at Rule King on my way to my sales calls that day to get some formula in a bottle and it just kind of went from there and um, they were a lot of fun and I think I've had four or five since then. Um, so I was pretty bummed this year. I didn't have any. I guess I got a reputation. Um, if you search me on Yahoo. The neighbor found this out. If you search Aaron Holbert, the first thing that comes up is raccoon lady. So I'm not sure that that's really how I want to go down in internet history, especially when you Google who the raccoon man is, but you just, I guess we'll have to embrace it. During my chat with Colin Holgriff, a farm manager at Farmers National Company, we had a ton of fun speculating about how the latest in ag technology is going to change the industry and also the way we farm. Now, as far as for, you know, I always love looking out in the future and thinking about uh, technology and how that's just changed even the last, you know, 10, 15 years in, in agriculture. It's, it's, it's been uh, mind-blowing. What do you look out there, Colin, as you start talking to, to, you know, your different tenants, you start talking to other folks in your industry, 
What do you see is on the, on the cusp here? What's going to be the next big thing from a technology standpoint? I get pretty excited about this stuff. I'm pretty interested in the autonomous side of stuff that's coming. Wow. Um, I think that could be very beneficial to, to a lot of farmers, um, you know, from a time standpoint, a labor standpoint. You know, we only get a certain window to get crops in the ground to ensure that we get the best yields. And I think autonomy might be a good way moving forward that we're really going to be able to, to capture that window and that time frame to make sure we're, we're doing everything we can to give those plants the proper time they need to grow. I did a lot of things during my field view powered scavenger hunt at the Farm Progress Show this year. Whether that was dodging my producer while he was buzzing around on the little rascal or becoming the 2022 Farm Progress Show prime rib eating champion, it was an absolute blast. But on a serious note, I do want to say thank you to Matt Youngman for setting this all up, making the scavenger hunt possible, and really showing us the importance of bringing the industry and farmers together in this amazing outdoor farm show. Look forward to next year as well. And of course, I can't talk about 2022 without talking about my favorite game of catch in Dyersville, Iowa at the Hall of Dreams with Mr. Dwyer Brown. That was absolutely amazing, talking about all of the different history of baseball and just a lot of magical moments. Absolutely one of my favorite episodes of the year. I, one other thing too, you know, we always have this debate going on. I go with auger wagon. Mm -hmm. Do you go auger wagon, green cart, auger cart, Auger wagon. Auger wagon? Auger wagon. We have our first auger wagon, everybody. This after like two seasons. Really? First auger wagon. Yeah, it's always auger wagon. Oh, there it is. All right, I can go home. I'm done. <laughs> I appreciate that. I got to ask just one question. What's that? You want to have a catch? I'd like that. Oh, perfect. Ah, just grab a mitt out of here. Yeah. How's that one? Hey, that'll work. That, no, that's got some age on it there. <laughs> there you go. What gave you the inspiration to, to start up, you know, I mean, the Baseball Hall of Dreams? Well, to be honest, I sort of had a Ray Kinsella moment. I, I love old buildings, and I saw this old building. It was for sale for years. And I was like, why, aren't, why isn't somebody stepping up and buying this building? It had a big hole in the roof. It was kind of a mess. But then suddenly I sort of saw like a Kinsella neon sign right on that corner. And I thought, am I supposed to listen to this voice and do what Ray does in the movie? And, and that's what I did. Bought the building, started sandblasting it, all this beautiful limestone underneath. And, uh, and then we thought, you know, this is gonna, we gotta turn this into a baseball mecca. I've been coming out here for 34 years since the movie's been shot. And uh, so we thought, let's call it the baseball building and let's have a, a baseball hall of dreams for the people who maybe didn't make it to the Hall of Fame, but who did great things for baseball and, you know, really appreciate the heart and soul of baseball. So, you know, like, as I sit here and I think of Field of Dreams, my favorite baseball movie of all times. And you have arguably one of the most iconic scenes in that movie with Want to Have a Catch. How has, how have you looked at that, I guess, over time and just seen father, sons, father, daughters, whoever it is, uh, out of the Field of Dreams having a catch? I definitely get asked a lot to have a catch. And, you know, to me, what a lot of people don't know is that, that my dad died 30 days before the movie was shot uh, unexpectedly. So you can imagine that leaving my father's funeral to go play a dead father coming out of the corn to play catch with their son made that movie much more profound for me. 
I felt my dad's presence with the ghost players on the field. And, you know, so when people ask me to have a catcher, they want to tell me their story about their dad. It just reminds me of my dad. And to me, that's sort of the point of the whole movie, you know, is let's have a catch. You tell me about your dad and I'll tell you about mine. And, you know, we pass the time and, and learn a lot about each other. So to me, it's been a blessing, even though it's, you know, as, as, as James Earl says in the movie, this is your penance, Ray, you know, so this is my penance, John. <laughs> this has been absolutely awesome. Dream come true. Dwyer, thanks for the catch, man. Dwyer? There's <laughs> a lot of magic around here. There you have it, folks. That's a wrap on our best of 2022 episode. Whether it was all the informative information from all of our amazing guests or all the good times that we had running around, having some great memorable moments, it's a year that I'll never forget. And coming up next, we're going to kick off 23 talking about how the weather's going to impact, you know, not only your planting season, but also the 23 planting season as well. I also want to say thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Thanks for joining us here today and really hit that like button. Go ahead and leave us a comment and be sure to subscribe to all of our channels as well. Also, Around the Farm is brought to you by Climate Field View and can be found wherever you find your podcast at. And until next time, we'll see you around the farm. <laughs>